you heard my instruction. Buddy's going to be on very soon. <laughs> so if you heard me talking and I was unmuted, that's what it was. Welcome to Lunch Plus. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. It is going to be an awesome broadcast. Share it, comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from, so that way we can say hello to you as well. Arabella is on, Johnny and George and Holly. Serena's here Hi. at the same time. Lisa says, good afternoon and love y'all. We love you too. Thank you for joining us. It's going to be such a good day. And I enjoy when I get to hang with Serena. Aww. I like hanging out with Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> As we hop in today, I found a really interesting BuzzFeed article yesterday. I was in a meeting with Buddy and Serena and Marky and Abigail, and I came across this BuzzFeed article and I had to purpose myself to put it down because it was really distracting. But now we're going to talk about it because I have, I, I need to know things from you guys. It's all food related, which always makes Marky perk right up. So it's important, very important. Food is important, mm -hmm. and food have, has like very, very like strong, elicit strong reactions out true. of people. So I want to know your strong reactions. Ready? Number one. Bun -da -da. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe you're just gonna listen to me do the theme song again. Da da da! Yay! Pasta tastes better when it's cut into shapes. Yes mm. or no? I absolutely think pasta tastes better when it's cut into shapes. I have a reason why. It's not just like the I whole girl like cars are prettier <laughs> and drive faster when they're purple or something. Like, I have a reason. I, I want to hear this reason. I do. A scientific reason. I think that the density of pasta, like, it makes it a little bit thicker and it carries with it more sauce with every time. Mm. It's like basically acting as an additional bowl that scoops more flavor into your mouth and it's a more sense. pleasing texture. That does make sense. See, I really like the thin noodles. Like, I like angel, angel hair. Mm -hmm which is the opposite. <laughs> and I honestly can't say I know the last time I've had shape, like pasta shapes. So I, I, I am the person that 
I will buy novelty food. I'm not ashamed. Like, I started to get ashamed saying the sentence. I'm like, no, I, like, it's who I am. I buy the novelty, like, shaped things mm -hmm. or, like, novelty chips and things. Yeah. So I've gotten George dinosaur pasta before, and Aww. I've made, like, dinosaur Cute. noodles or shark noodles. Do you get the dino nuggets? I, when I've bought dino, like, when I've bought chicken nuggets, I've bought the dino ones. But really... The food I think of it most with is Kraft macaroni and cheese. They always have like, here's SpongeBob macaroni and cheese, or here's unicorn macaroni and cheese, and they're always more pleasing, I feel like. But apparently no one else agrees with me, so. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Buddy says all pasta is cut into shapes. Okay, so more creative that shapes than straight. Even if it's not like, <laughs> even if it's not a, like a, a star or a cartoon character, even like the rotini or the, like the spiral yeah. ones, I feel like that's more fun than just elbow. That's true. That's just, George agrees. This is why we're married. I love you, George. <laughs> He's over there. It's because he gets the dino pasta. It's That's true. Why. He gets the benefit of my novelty purchases. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Number two. Bum, 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 This bum. is her dream anyways, <laughs> is to do little jingles, so. Okay. Sandwiches should be cut diagonally. Absolutely. Yes or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. much better. They really do. Yes. Absolutely. I, I get that it's like the same... It's more the same when it's cut down the middle, like the like the hump part yeah. and the straight like <laughs> parts. But it tastes better when yes. it's diagonal. Grilled cheese is way better that way. Yep. It's easier to dip. That is true. Scientific. Yep. Yep. I'm sure that Pastor has another like opinion and, and reasoning and ratio for these things mm -hmm. that makes it even more scientific. Right. But this is how scientific my brain gets. So that's as that's, as much as it goes. It does not taste different. George. George says no. Matter. Arabella wow. says no. Prilla says either way. George, I hmm. always cut your sandwiches diagonally. I'm so sorry that I have been withholding your dream sandwich mm. from you for this entire time. I somehow felt the need to say it's okay. <laughs> okay. George says it's okay. He forgives me. Julie cuts hers into fours. I, I do I that like with real cheese. Shh, shh. Yeah, I like that. Johnny says, what other way would you do it? So there are people that do it right down the middle. George is apparently one of those people I just discovered after five, almost five years of marriage. George is a down the middler. George, why do you like cutting it down the middle? Well, I used to have it cut in triangles with my mommy. Would you like to come up and, and talk in the microphone? <laughs> We're going to have to tell him, tell him what he says. Here, you can stand close to me, and it can be awkward for the viewer like Buddy and Serena uh, were yep, yesterday. Yep. So... <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid growing up, my mom always used to cut them in triangles, and then when I started making my own sandwiches, I deviated from that and just cut it down the middle. So your preference of sandwiches is rebellion? Like the, it's, no. it's birthed out of rebellion? No. When you grow up and getting a driver's license, is that rebellion? No, it's just something you do when you grow up. Same principle. I think mine stems a little bit from that because my mom <laughs> always did it down the middle, and so I always just wanted it different, and so mm -hmm. different tastes better. But like uh, French dips is absolutely a lot easier to dip when it's cut in triangles. I feel like Buddy has an opinion. Like your mouth was opening, so I wanted to give you leeway. Well, I used to cut it into fourths until kids made fun of me in first grade for oh. cutting into the fourths. What kind of mean kid made fun of you for having like <laughs> that's, fourth that's sandwiches? That's public school. That's public school. school. <laughs> Those public schoolers. <laughs> Kids are mean in public school. 
I'm, I'm really upset for you, retroactively. Like, fourth sandwiches are delightful. Yeah. Well, I don't think I started again until we got married, right? <laughs> I, had, yeah. I, had you, I had you cut my peanut butter jelly sandwiches <laughs> in the corners. Cinnamon toast. Ooh. Always in fourths. Mm. Never the other way. I have apparently made all of your bread-related meals incorrectly yeah. up to this point. Just I, no, not at all. I prefer one way. Doesn't mean it's wrong the other way. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, one more super quick, and then we're gonna turn it over to Pastor and Buddy. I don't know why I'm saying Buddy's name. Buddy. Buddy. At least you're not saying booty. Pa yeah. Pastor booty. and booty. <laughs> I realize yeah. that in I order don't think, to say is Kevin it, not here. Right I haven't now? seen Kevin yet. In order to say it, I have to super enunciate the D. Like not D. like I can't say it fast. Booty. Like, I have to super pronounce it. That's Otherwise, I feel mean. Okay, last one. Bum -ba -da. You should not bite into string cheese. Yes or no? You should not. So, yes. Yes, you should not. I pulled this one from the office, like, <laughs> yes, when Ryan Howard not. just, like, bites into the string cheese. And he's like, yeah, when yeah. I was six, I just started going for it. Like, I'm stuck <laughs> on why you... Why you worded it that way? Yeah. Do you bite into string cheese? No. Well, because you not? I didn't think of that. <laughs> I also was pulling the question from a website, and the way that they phrased it was really mean. It was like you're uh, like you're oh. insane if you do this, and I'm like, well, that's not nice. So I'm not going to phrase it that way. <laughs> um, pull apart is also a good way to phrase it. It's didn't like think of that either. biting sure. into a Kit Kat with like without breaking them apart. <gasps> George does that. Yeah. George does that. No, no shame. <laughs> there is. So. so I have, with this one, I think that regular string cheese should be pulled apart. Mm -hmm. But then you know how like Sargento and all those other brands have like the hard cheddar kind. And That's you can't true. pull those. That is true. So those just get under your fingernails. So those ones I'll bite into. That but makes sense. normal mozzarella cheese, you should always pull those. I would agree. I think so. Johnny says he bites into string cheese. George bites into it. Is that a guy thing? I feel hmm. like maybe that's a guy thing. Gentlemen, do you bite into string cheese? I don't need string cheese. That's true. Boom. Well, should you or should you not cheese? eat string cheese? I would say no. But that's just because I don't like cheese by itself. Interesting. Hmm. Marky says I bite in, I bite mine because I don't want to wait. <laughs> she gets excited. I, I can see that. <laughs> do you bite into string cheese, Pastor? Um, I will, yes and no. Sometimes I'll rip it apart and sometimes I'll bite into it. I don't have a preferred There's way. no string yeah. cheese decorum that you follow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a set thing for that. Depends <laughs> on how hungry you are. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm really hungry, hungry I'm Go biting ahead. into it. Yeah. And if I'm not, then I'll rip it apart and take my time with it. <laughs> Chris says that he bites it. Your, Caleb says it's not a guy thing, it's a wrong thing. It's a wrong thing, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Caleb, are you saying biting it is wrong? Priscilla says bite it if it's a cheese stick from Sonic. <laughs> That's different. That's a deep fried thing. You're not going to be able to Ooh. pull apart like deep fried ones. <laughs> Johnny mm -hmm. says, I don't eat the mozzarella type, I eat cheddar. Well, that's you, why you bite it. That's because true. Because you can't pull cheddar apart. Yeah. I knew a person who... When they got corn dogs, all they would do is eat like the bread off the outside, and it was the most disturbing thing I ever. <laughs> it was so disturbing. 
That's really Have we ever talked about how Nicole eats the Milky Way? Is it Milky Way? Three Musketeer bar. Three Musketeer. The yeah. right way with the sides and the top and the bottom. Yeah, she yes. eats all the chocolate off and leaves yeah. the nougat center or whatever it yep. is and eats that last. Really? That was one of the first things that bonded she and I together because I did that before her and she saw me eating it and she's like, you're doing it correctly. <laughs> and it, it, it elicited a friendship. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. So that is the right way to eat a Three Musketeer bar in case you were wondering. Well, thank you for hopping with us today. Guys, I, I found so many good BuzzFeed articles. Get ready because there are so many things we need to chat about. They're important. But today we are on part 38 of The Man Who Would Be King. It's going to be awesome. Pastor and Buddy are going to be sharing with us what the Lord has placed on their hearts. So share the broadcast. They'll share with you. You share with everybody else. Sowing, reaping, it, it's, a good, it's a good deal. So share the broadcast. It's going to be great. And thank you for joining us today. We love you very much. Hey, amen. You're all done. Passed it to us. <laughs> Handoff tag, we're it. We're it. So what are we going to do now? Just preach. <laughs> preach. That sounds share good. Share the word of God. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Thank you for sharing the broadcast. It's going to be a great, great day. And uh, we just praise God for you. If you haven't shared the broadcast already, go ahead and do it. We're talking about the man who would be king. And uh, the man who would be a leader, a president, a CEO, the, the person, not just a male, but mankind, who would be a leader, a shift supervisor. We're talking about uh, people who would be ministers, who would be disciple makers. Uh, and this is you. We're talking to you, so we're excited about it today. We're going to be talking more. Uh, Buddy and I were talking about this chapter before we got here, and uh, to both of us, it's one of our favorite chapters. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it today. We're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, we just finished up a couple of chapters that were really interesting. Oh, yeah. And uh, so what is this series meant to you so far? What have you, uh, what have you gotten out of it? Honestly, like one of the things that I've really just drawn out of it is how much I don't know about leadership. Like there's so much um, that, like God, God's shown me a lot about leadership just in the past year, but, um, but like just through, as we've been walking through all this, it's just really, it's been really fun to see all the small little pieces yeah. that, that can be pulled out of it. Yeah. And, um, and you know, just even... Like, like every week there's something new to draw out of it. Every yeah. week it seems like there's almost like even a theme for that week of just something that like God's that's really true. been pulling out. Yeah. Um, and that's been really cool just to kind of see how the themes have been shifting from like talking about deception to just talk, to talking about, you know, the anointing and stuff like that. It's, yeah. been, it's been cool seeing how leadership flows through all of this. Yes. And yeah. uh, I've just really been enjoying kind of soaking all that in. Yeah. You said this chapter today is um, one of your favorite chapters. You had yeah. done a teaching on it. It's one of mine as well. I think the story that we get into today is really interesting. So yesterday mm -hmm. we were talking about uh, 1 Samuel 29 where David's going down with the Philistines into the battle. And uh, we know that he was probably going to be utilized to protect the children of God, protect the Israelites. Uh, but the Philistines... The Philistine leader was okay with him going, but all of the other leaders 
with the Philistines. They didn't trust David, and probably rightfully so, <laughs> uh, because he was, you know, his heart was with God and the people of God. And the Philistines were, you know, doing a lot of ungodly stuff and killing the people of God. And but all of a sudden he gets turned back. And so we talked about what to do when you know, something you think is going fine, and then all of a sudden it's not going fine. Mm. And how do you handle that? What do you do? And you have to trust God. Mm. And so we found out at the end of yesterday that what happens is they return back to their home, and they find out they really needed to turn around. They needed everything, everybody to turn around because their home had been attacked. Yeah. And so had they waited any longer, it could have been much worse. We know that it turns out okay, which is what we'll read today, but uh, we need to trust God no matter what yeah. we see, no matter what we face, no matter what we hear, we always want to trust the Lord. He always has good things for us, and one of the things that I've said uh, for years is anything the Lord asks you to do is always opportunity for increase. Yeah. And uh, just put that in the comments real quick. Anything God asks me to do is always opportunity for increase. Mm -hmm. Anything God asks me to do is always opportunity to increase. When we get that in our hearts, then everything changes. Yes. When we get that in our hearts, everything takes a turn up because we'll say, okay, you're asking me to do it. Let's go do that. And you'll find yourself in a, a position of blessing after blessing after blessing, and the blessings will start to pile up. So, yeah. amen. Anything God asks us to do is always opportunity for increase. So let's just start reading here, First uh, Samuel chapter thirty. Uh, you want to start reading? Sure. What? What? I got the New King James. Okay. All right. Um, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And, t and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So right there, one of the first things that you want to see is that the hand of the Lord was on David's family. Yes, yeah. they came and attacked, but the fact that they didn't kill anyone, that yeah. was not normal. Yeah. That, that was not normal for this time, but they just captured them. And that was the Lord, I would say, the Lord's hand protecting them. Uh, a leader always wants to trust in the protection of God. Yeah. Uh, when, we, when we talk about salvation, we've talked about this a lot at, at church, but the package of salvation is more than just uh, going to heaven. Uh, ultimately, the number one thing is not even going to heaven. It is relationship again with God. Uh, where we can have a fellowship, an intimate fellowship with God. That's the number one thing. And that's what gives us entrance into heaven in that way. But also with that intimacy with God and with that relationship with God uh, comes a package of other things. You have prosperity, you have divine healing, you have restoration, deliverance. And one of the major things is protection. And I've found that the Lord has really asked me multiple times, Brian, I want you to believe by faith in your uh, salvation right to protection. In other words, believe that I'll protect your family. Believe that I'll protect you. Believe, in, in other words, just as I would draw on uh, health 
and provision. I need to believe God for protection as well. And I had a I had a situation several years ago, and I've had it I've had it probably attempted it several times. And the reason I say that is because I think a lot of people think that they are, they're the only ones that are facing what they're facing. But once you see somebody else doing it, then you realize, okay, this is not just me. Uh, other people, this is how the devil attacks. Well, then once you know that it's the way that the devil attacks, then you can, then you can sit there and go, oh, well, there's a solution for this. Mm-hmm. And other people have already won with this. It's not just me messing it up all the time or something. But I had a situation where... Man, the devil was just giving me visions of fear of like great tragedy happening to my family, like horrific car accidents and things like that and a lot of stuff like that. And it was going on. I was having bad dreams and stuff. This was some years ago now. But I was having all these bad dreams. And the Lord really challenged me and charged me. And he said, look, he said, believe me for protection. Believe me for protection. Put down fear. Believe me for protection. Instantly, as soon as I applied that, those all those you know horrific images that were running through my head, they immediately stopped. I just I said, Lord, I trust you. I draw on your protection, and I receive that today. And uh, I have perfect sleep. You give me perfect sleep. You you give to me even in my sleep. And yeah. uh, Psalms one twenty seven. And so I just instantly, I had relief from that. So I think some people go for a long period of time and they're dealing with the fears and they're dealing with all these things that the devil is throwing at them. We must believe God for protection, just like we believe him for salvation, just like we believe him for healing, just like we believe him for provision and everything else. We must believe him for protection as well. So There's no fear in love. Yes. Perfect love yes. casts out all fear. Um, and really one of the things that God's shown me about that particular scripture is that it's not necessarily us understanding our love for God, but his love for us that, that casts out that fear. And one of the, one of the illustrations that, that I've used for that is, you know, let's Serene and I are sleeping, uh, you know, at night and we hear a weird noise out in the living room. Right. You know, I'll I'll grab the gun and I'll, I'll get up and I'll start looking around. What's Serena doing at that time? She's sleeping. You know, because yeah. she she knows that I'll if there is a threat, she, she knows I'll do whatever it takes to protect her sure. from that. So yeah. like she can actually find peace at that moment, knowing that as I'm like going through the house like Jack Bauer trying to you know to, to just check around the corners and be be all sleuthy or whatever. You know, um, she knows that I'll do whatever it takes to protect her. Yeah. And more than that, she knows that God'll God'll protect me in yeah. that as well. Right. So like there's more layers in that. That's right. Um, so it's her. It's not necessarily her love for me that gives her the peace to sleep. It's her yeah. understanding my love for her that'll give her that that yeah. peace to sleep. That I'll do. That I'll protect her. Um, and, and you know, even as a kid, you know, walking through the streets of like Baltimore, I know like there's a lot of sketchy people around. But if I'm with my dad, you know, I know my dad will protect me. Yeah. And, and so that that'll give me peace. My dad might, you know, be looking around and making, you know, because he's you know in that protector. Yeah. You know, kind of mode. Um, that that was one of the things. Whenever Serena and I first got married, um, all of a sudden, like we're going to the Bahamas, and I'm like, oh man, now I'm the I'm the protector, yeah. and it like hit me for a moment, and it was a little in, feeling. Yeah, it was a little intimidating. I'm like, my dad's not here with me on my honeymoon, like, so he I'm can't it. he can't protect me. <laughs> I'm it, yeah, um, and like. 
that was intimidating for me. Ser Serena, Serena remembers, like, we're, like, pulling into where we, we're getting on the cruise, and I'm like, oh, stink, like, this is real. But, um, but like, quickly, just my love hey, for Darla. her. Hey, Darla. Hey, Carla. Hey, welcome, everyone. Um, but, qui like, quickly, my love for her kind of pushed all that aside. And, yeah. And also, as I began to further understand God's love for me, that gave me peace. I, I've found, you bring up an excellent point, I've found that the majority of issues that we have in our faith has everything to do with the lack of knowledge of the yeah. true love of God. Yeah. When, and I've found that my own issue and my own problem was that my knowledge of God's love for me had everything to do with my faith and yeah. how I walked and what actions and reactions I had. Yeah. And I needed to get to know him more. And one of the scriptures that he pulled out for that was James 1.17, where it says, Every good gift comes from above, mm -hmm. from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. Mm -hmm. And you literally see that's a picture of God's love. His love is pure and absolute towards you. It will never turn to the left or to the right, not one degree of turning. There's no variation in it. There's no variableness in it. And that's a picture of his love. That He will love you. The Bible says he loves you with an everlasting love. And, and watch this. And what really got me and opened up my eyes was the scriptures, perfect love cast out all fear. Yeah. When, and I got a revelation that when I understand God's love on the level that I should, mm -hmm. no fear can remain in me. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing statement. Mm -hmm. I mean, for no fear whatsoever to remain in us means that we've got to have some huge trust in God. But without that huge trust in God, uh, without that huge knowledge and understanding and revelation of who he is, then we're not going to put trust in him. Our actions are not going to be correct. And then we're going to be actually taking the actions of fear and not the actions of faith. And we'll find ourselves in different locations because of those actions. And I found that that changed everything. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I, there was a song, one of, um, one of our pastors in the, in the past wrote a song. And uh, the name of the song was, I Believe in the Love. And man, that song just ministered to me so much. And because we, we need to believe in God's love for us, not just yeah. that he's a loving God, but his love for us in that way. Hey, Ashley Melton, good to see you. And uh, we love you guys so much. I was thinking about you and praying for you this morning. So yeah, there's a... Um, so I just realized I'm wearing my I Love My Wife shirt as I'm sharing all this stuff. That's awesome. But the Lord ordained it. <laughs> I see it on the screen. <laughs> I love my wife. And he's making a statement today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love my wife. Good job. I, we were, well I was wearing the shirt. We were wearing the shirt. Well, we weren't wearing the shirt. I was wearing it. That would be weird if we were both wearing one shirt. Um, <laughs> I was wearing the shirt. We were going through uh, Ikea, right? Yeah, I was Ikea. I always want to say Costco, but I've never been in a Costco. We were going through Ikea, and like one of the ladies working there, uh, hey, Kevin, welcome. We Kevin were talking about you earlier. We were, we were like, hey, you. I hadn't seen Kevin yet. We missed you. Um, but we were walking through Ikea, and one of the workers, you know, who her job is to sell things, came up. She, she read my shirt, and then she said, huh, in about two years, that shirt will say, I hate my wife. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. 
<laughs> is this how you sell furniture? <laughs> like, what, what is wrong with you? Like, I got mad. I just, like, walked away. I don't know if we responded to her. Like, I, I got mad. And then later, I re- like, God started showing me, you know, that the only reason she said that is because there was some kind of hurt in her past. Sure, yeah. yeah. But um, we don't need to yeah. get into all that. But Well, and it, it comes yeah. from love, knowing God's love. Yeah. See, I can... Um, I can go to a place and say, you know what, I have hope for the future that that won't be the case, that I won't hate my wife. Why? Because God will show both of us what to do, and he will help to protect that Mm. covenant relationship that we have with each other. Mm. And, um, you know, I can bring it up. It goes back to protection again. I can can also... um... (laughs) All right. Um, I can also talk about one of one of the things is with your one of the things is sorry got a text and it threw me um, one of the things is that when with we were first married uh, one of the things that I ran into was you know I had to trust my wife and she had to trust me mm-hmm. and we had not been in that position before where we had been uh, at that place and we're sitting there going. You know, all right, she's out of town or I'm out of town. And I think a lot of people don't talk about this stuff. They don't they won't bring it up, but I'm I'm that guy that'll bring that stuff up because people don't deal with it the way they should. And here's here's what I found. I didn't trust, you know, the thing that you fear will cause that thing to come on you. Uh, Job said, The thing I fear the most has come upon me. And so one of the, one of the things that's very important is that you get to the place where you're not operating in fear at all. You're operating in faith all the time, faith in God's protection. Well, faith in God's protection can also go to the place where my wife is protected. My yeah. wife is protected from temptations. My wife is protected you know, from different things. I'm protected from temptation. She can believe that for me as well. But I can tell you as a newly married person, I struggled with that a little bit. I didn't, you know, it's not something that I talked about all the time, but I struggled with, you know, was she doing, and it wasn't that I didn't, it wasn't really that I didn't trust her. I didn't trust the people around her. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't trust because I knew I'd been around those guys and I knew, I knew the way it was and I didn't trust all those people around her. And I had to come back and just say, Lord, I trust you. Yeah. to keep her and yeah. to protect her and have that supernatural protection in that way. And yeah. so, you know, what is that? I learned to trust in his love no matter what. I learned yeah. to trust in God and say, Lord, I trust you to keep her. I trust you to keep me. I trust you to keep away the people that don't need to come around. I trust you in that. So yeah. it was, and that goes back to, not how good I am, mm-hmm. not how good or bad I am, not how good or bad she is, not how good or bad the people around us are. It goes back to yeah. how good is God? Yeah. How good is his love? And yeah. this is what I love seeing this. So here, you know, people attack David's family, but they were protected. And yeah. you're going to see that they were completely protected mm-hmm. and end up being blessed in that way. And one thing that I'd like to point out is, you know, What do you think most people would be doing? And I want to bring this back around when we come to the end of the chapter. So Mm -hmm. help me remember that if you would. What do you think most people would be thinking while they're being attacked 
and while they're being carted off to another place. So what were the families thinking? What were the wives thinking uh, during this period of time? Because here's where I think a lot of times the battle was won or lost is something bad or negative happens and all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden when something bad happens, people's mind immediately goes to the worst and they start, like they'll say they trust God until something bad happens. That's the moment where you need to trust him the most. Yeah. That's the moment right there where you need to trust him the most. And, but most people don't do that. They are good as long as the environment is clear. But as soon as they get into a harsh situation, faith goes away. And we need to keep that faith and we need to challenge that faith. Yeah. Uh, so imagine this situation. Ultimately, their whole city and town is attacked. It is truly a life or death type situation. Mm-hmm. What did they do with the non-life or death situations? How did they practice ahead of time when they got bad news uh, you know, from a doctor? How did they practice ahead of time when they heard that a friend was thinking bad thoughts about? Did they run straight to fear or did they put on the love and faith of God? This is where we practice it when it's the small things so that when a big thing comes up, we're prepared. It goes back to what Barrett said yesterday is you don't wait till the middle of the battle to load your weapon. So you practice in the small areas. You know, I have, I have good news and bad news coming all the time. And I'm constantly like, taking the bad news and saying, God's leading us to triumph. God's leading us to triumph. God's leading us to triumph. And I'm, I'm practicing that on all the small areas. And that, that way, if anything ever big comes up, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to you know, have, so to speak, spiritual muscle memory where I immediately go to God's leading us to triumph in this as well. Mm-hmm. And, but I think that that's not people's practice. But think about these ladies and the families that were captured. Yeah. What did they, what did it look like and feel like for them? And I'm going to definitely, at the end of the story, end of the chapter, you need to hear the other side of this because most people say, well, pastor, you can't tell them to be hopeful while they're being attacked by people. And that's exactly what I'm saying is if you're not hopeful, you open up the door for it to be much worse. The best thing that you can do, the most humble, the most faithful, the most protected thing you can do is have hope in the worst situation on on the protection and the love of God. That's the best thing that you can do. And a lot of people, they're like, well, you, you know, you weren't there. No, I have been in situations like that. I've been in situations where they told me my daughter is dead, basically. I've been in those situations, and I'm telling you, the best. but she's still alive today because we immediately put our hope in God. That's how you break through. That's how you break through. And, but people want to give, they want their feelings to be more on the throne instead of the word on their throne. And instead of God on the throne and the word on, on the throne, yeah. they, they want their feelings and we want to be sympathetic. I don't want to be sympathetic and then have a funeral. I want to charge you to have faith and then let's have a celebration and a victory. Yeah. That's much better. You know, I'd rather be sympathetic to faith than sympathetic to somebody's feelings and come through and have a victory. I want, I want testimonies of victory. You know, one day I walked through 
I was working uh, with a landscaper and we were at a graveyard and it was an older graveyard. And I'm looking down at all these tombstones and all of them, there was like a third of the tombstones were from about a hundred years ago. And the third of them were babies that didn't get beyond three or four. And I just started crying. I just started crying and just like, Lord, because I know you better than this. This is not your will. And the Lord was basically saying me, saying to me, yes, Brian, it's not my will. That's why I've called you to preach. Because you'll lead people not to a sympathy, but to a victory. Yeah. You'll lead people not to just sympathy, but to victory. But we've got to learn how to not live in our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, mm -hmm. but put on faith no matter how we feel. So we're going to come back around to that, how the how the wives and the families feel as we go on. So let's, uh, do you have anything to add to that? Um, no, all I could think of was the man by the pool of Bethesda where Jesus came up to him and just point blank, do you want to be healed? Yeah. And then he just started, like he, he was seeking sympathy. He, yeah. he didn't respond to Jesus saying, do you want to be healed? He just, well, you know, I've been here for so long. And, yeah. you know, anytime that it's stirred up, someone goes in before me. And like, that's what he was doing. You don't see Jesus sit down, put his arm around him and say, there, there, yes. you know, we'll get through this. No, he didn't, he didn't even address, you know, anything that he said. He said, just get up and walk. <laughs> Yeah, like, like yeah. He, he didn't even address, oh, well, man, that sounds really difficult. He just said, get up. <laughs> That's right. And, Rise, take up your mat and walk. And he got up and took up his mat and walk. And we're, we're supposed to be like Jesus. Yes. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be like Jesus. So. Well, and he called them out. You know, mm -hmm. I, it, it bugs me when people today are like, well, are you telling me that I don't have enough faith? Well, that's what Jesus said actually multiple times. Yeah. If I'm going to act, aren't we supposed to follow in the example? But the issue is the reason they're saying that is because people don't want to take responsibility mm -hmm. for our faith. They don't want to take responsibility for their lives. But you have to understand that in Psalms, I think it's 115 uh, or 116, uh, it says that the earth is, uh, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. The, the reason why bad things happen is because men don't take their responsibility. Mm -hmm. We must learn to take our responsibility and pray out. I can tell you, last night I was sitting, uh, it, was, it was late last night, I was sitting there getting, going to bed, and I was just going through the headlines, and I haven't looked at the headlines for a couple of days. I'm just reading through the headlines, and I know, and I'm reading, and it's like horrible stuff happening right now, and all across the country, and I'm looking at it and going, we need to pray. I need to take responsibility uh, for our country and for our city and our county. We need to pray. The church is the salt and the light. We need to stop saying, oh, that's horrible, and we need to pray it out. We need to pray out the will of God. We need to pray. We have to take our responsibility in our faith and our responsibility as an ambassador. Now, this is not what people like to hear if they're used to catering to their flesh. If they're used to catering to their comfort, they won't want to hear this. They just want everything to go back to normal and have, their, have the money in the bank, but they don't want to take any responsibility for the task that God has given us. We must take responsibility. And I've been that person too. But it's that time where it is time for an awakening, what we've been preaching. It's time for an awakening and take our responsibility for faith, hope, and love and move into some stuff, some glory of God, not just sit 
back and play this lukewarm game that we've mm -hmm. been playing in America, which is evident because we've not seen an increase in Christianity or an increase in fruit. We've seen a decline in it. You know, on Easter, it was amazing. On Easter, you know, you've got everybody that's been locked down for a month uh, at that point. And uh, we were open having drive-in service. And uh, we were not in the building trying to follow, you know, the society's, you know, what they thought was good and follow what the gover governor said. We were still assembling, which is what God thinks is good. And so we found a way out in the parking lot and had drive-in church. But we're open for Easter. Everybody's been locked up for a month. We're open for Easter. You would think, people would say, I'm going to church on the day that I celebrate my resurrected Lord. But it was like an average crowd. It was nothing special. There was maybe one or two guests, which is you know what we've had in some years past. It was like an average crowd. And I was sitting there going, my goodness, if this doesn't show that the American church is asleep, and we and we uh, marketed that all over Facebook, all over the county. You know, we marketed it all over the county, and yet still we had the exact same numbers. It shows us that there's really, truly not been any hunger for the things of God, or else people would have said, "I'm going to go worship Jesus if nothing else in my car." But it's not, and we—that's why we need an awakening. We need to stop playing games as the church. At least in America, I believe it's all over the world as well, but specifically in America, I can speak to it. And it's time to stop playing games with it. We've got to take responsibility for what God has called us to. End preaching. Let's read the verse. Okay. <laughs> uh, so David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, uh, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, uh, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because, uh, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Okay. So right here, David is greatly distressed. Not only was his family taken as well, but the very people that he's called to lead want to stone him. Yeah. Um, they want to kill him. Like, that's a great day as a leader. <laughs> that's fine. Not really. Like, oh, yeah, they want to kill me, you know. You know, hopefully there were no stones nearby at the moment when, mm -hmm. when that's going on. And one of the things that we, uh, we did a broadcast not too long ago is, uh, what was the name of it? It said uh, Captive and Strengthen, I think. Capture and Strengthen. Capture and Encourage. Capture and Encourage or some, something like that. It was, it was a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. And what it said was, when you get in a position like this, this is one of the key verses that we use, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, it's, is when you get in a position like this, one of the first things that you need to do is you need to take your thoughts captive. And what in the King James it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
Here it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. You have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord and strengthen yourself in the Lord. If you don't learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord, you will lose many battles because you've got to learn how to put on praise when you don't feel like it. You have to learn how to take those thoughts captive. And uh, we have to take our thoughts captive and then we strengthen ourselves in the goodness of God, in his love, in his mercy, in his grace. We learn to take those thoughts captive and then build ourselves up on the strength of God. Why? Because he's worthy of trusting it. If anybody can draw you out of it, God can and he will. But if you don't know that, then you'll just sit there and let, let the things of life come and weigh on you and all of a sudden you'll be you'll find yourself in that place of having something truly to weep about and we don't want that we want to be the people where we're always moving to triumph in every place like what we talked about yesterday uh, but and the only way to do that is to put on God's ways his ways are holy and you see one of his ways that David did right here he strengthened himself in the Lord yeah one like just even in any kind of leadership position, you know, when, when the whole company is going through the same thing, everyone feels the weight of it, but no one feels the weight of it like the one who's leading the people through it. And, and you, you, picture, you picture where David's at. I mean, all these men lost their wives, their sons, their daughters. Yeah. But look at the weight of what David has to bear. He lost his wives, sons, and daughters, and everyone wants to murder him now. Yeah. Now all the people that he's been leading and yeah. providing for this whole time, now they want to stone him and yeah. take him out. So, like, you add the weight of what and all these... And he lost their families, too, yeah. by being, you know, being in the position he was or where they were at. Yeah, so the responsibility that's on David is high and heavy. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, how, how many times do you read throughout Scripture and say that, you know, those who are in leadership, they will be judged at a higher level. You know, yeah. so there's, there's a responsibility for yes. those who, who allow themselves to be in leadership. Um, there, there's a responsibility for them. So, like, even, even in, in marriage, you know, uh, you know when, when we as a family are going through, a, you know, a rough time, you know, um, it's, it's my job. You know, like, I could be having a rough day. I could be having a bad day. But if, if my wife is having, also having a bad day, I kind of have to, you know, I, I need to find a strength outside of myself to be able to lead her as well through, yes. through what she's going through. Because if I'm, like, in my flesh, if I'm going through a bad day, I, like, my flesh really doesn't, doesn't want to care about that. Yes. But, but I need to strengthen myself in something outside of myself so that I can, so that I can be built up to be able to lead in that yes. time. And there's the only way we can do that is to strengthen ourselves in God, because He's the only source. The, the the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. So you know, we we it's of the Lord and it's from God. So if I need to have the strength to lead my wife when I don't have the strength to even re necessarily even lead myself, I need I need God, and I need to have be connected with Him so that I can have the strength that I need to to do what I'm called to do. And you see David doing that. He has so much on his shoulders. Yes. Now, you know, and and he did the right thing. By strengthening well, and Barrett just put up the link to it, so I shared it there to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the link to that. Capture and encourage, two mm -hmm. things to guarantee going through victory. Um, think about this. Ask this question. So we know that at the end of this chapter, they, nothing is lost. Everything yeah. is regained. Yeah. We know that. Think about this, though. What if David 
as the leader, did not take his thoughts captive and encourage himself in the Lord. Where would he have been? Where would all of the people have been? Had he not strengthened himself in the Lord and sought the Lord on what to do, they probably would have killed him and probably all of their families would have been killed too. So as a leader, a leader has a responsibility to take their thoughts captive and strengthen themselves in the Lord. Put, please put that in the comments. Yeah. A leader has the responsibility of taking every thought captive and strengthening themselves in the Lord. A leader has the responsibility of taking every thought captive and strengthening themselves in the Lord. Hey, Nanette, good to see you. I believe she's in the Philippines. Good to see you today. So when we, had David not done that, Pretty much, I believe everything would have been lost, and he would have probably been killed. Yeah. But this is part of the reason why he was a man that uh, would do great things and do the will of God, because God knew that he would do the right things. Mm -hmm. when, when the tough times hit, yeah. he would do the right things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love that David strengthened himself mm -hmm. in the Lord. A leader has the responsibility of taking every thought captive and strengthening themselves in the things of the Lord. Yeah. This is something we must grab a hold of. But I yeah. want you to hear this. This is not just for people that are called a leader now. Mm -hmm. This is for anybody that will ever be in the kingdom of God because everybody in the kingdom of God is called to be a minister and everybody in the kingdom of God is called to make a disciple, mm -hmm. make disciples. That yeah. means everybody in the kingdom of God is meant to be a leader. So I'm not just talking to people who are in leadership positions now. We need to all take uh, the responsibility for capturing our thoughts and strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I'll tell you this. I, this is, I've said this before. I'll say it again. The most anointed people of God that I've witnessed that, I have, that have not you know, kind of made it yet, but they're on the rise, the most anointed people that I have seen and called of God and gifted have not made it because they didn't take their thoughts captive and they didn't strengthen themselves in the Lord. I think I said that in that series. The most, in other words, generally what I see is I see more people who are less anointed and less gifted, but they've learned how to persevere. And they'll take their thoughts captive and they will uh, strengthen themselves in the Lord, they will actually make it through. And God will continue to give. You know, he'll prune, and he'll, if you have some fruit, he'll give you more fruit. So they actually end up being more anointed, but the issue is that they've learned to take their thoughts captive. The ones that I've, I've watched personally, with the most anointing and the most giftings, and like absolutely they're called into ministry, Almost every single one of them, almost, I would say 90 to 95% are knocked out of ministry because they don't know how to take their thoughts captive and they don't know how to strengthen themselves in the Lord. Almost every one of them. Almost every one of them. Which is sad because God's given us what we need to succeed and they're carrying the gifts that they need to, but they don't know how to take their thoughts captive. And so the negative thoughts just ruin their lives. Mm -hmm. 
and they ruins their destiny and their call. And so what we're talking about is not a small thing. It's a very, very important thing. And a leader takes the responsibility for that and says, okay, I've got to do this. And they stop thinking about negative thoughts. They only think on things worthy of praise. Um, you know, they, or that's what they're, they seek to do. They might not be good at it at the beginning, but they seek to do that. Yeah, that's why you see a lot of people burning out. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, because just running on their own strength, you know, uh, doing everything in their own strength and a, a lot of times doing things that they were never even called to do. Yeah. Um, but like you can see pastors, you know, who take like, who are feeling the weight and feeling burnout, they'll take a month long sabbatical. Um, and then when they come back within another month, they're out, they're out yeah. of the ministry because they just, they don't take that time to strengthen themselves in the Lord. They take that time to just, you know, read a book, yeah. you know, relax. And they think that if I, if I do, if I just relax and do nothing for, a month that'll give me the strength I need, but then they get back in and they're just, it's, it's like your car needs gas, yeah. you know, but, but instead of giving it gas, you'll be like, I'll just set it aside for a month, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, and then, you know, you try to drive it again. It doesn't have what it needs. Why? Because it, it wasn't given the fuel that it needs I'll, to go. I'll and pull in the gas station and park mm -hmm. for a month beside mm -hmm. the tank, but never put any fuel in there because yeah. you need spiritual fuel. Yeah. And I've, mm -hmm. I've seen that happen. I, I've, I've become convinced, you know, I think some people will watch what we're doing in ministry and they'll think that, that I'm carrying like a, a super gift or a super anointing or something. I don't think that at all. Like, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I just think that we persevered and the further you go and you're fruitful, the more God will add to you. And I think it's just gone. And that gives, I think that gives people hope because they realize well, if I just go after God, God, God will bless me like that too. And if I persevere, God will bless me. Yeah, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek yeah. him. Yeah. He's a rewarder. That's his character. That's his nature. He's a rewarder. Yeah. And, you know, so I don't, I really don't feel that way. Because, I mean, I, I've had moments and I've had, I've had, I've seen some supernatural miracles, you know, through my hands. I've, I've, you know, it's obviously Jesus, not me, but I've seen those things. But it didn't like happen all the time everywhere. And matter of fact, sometimes it seemed very scarce, you know. And I was like, man, am I even called? You know, to, am I, you know, it seemed, you know, it seemed like it was far away. But you just keep going and you keep going. You say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I, I might not have what it takes, but you do. And I'm going to speak and move for you. And all of a sudden, the power of God flows. And that's a great, great thing. And it just persevering. And, but a lot of it had to do with taking the thoughts captive. A ton had to do with taking thoughts captive and strengthening ourselves in the Lord. It's a huge, huge point. I remember when I was like, three months into ministry, and, um, and this was at my old church. I was like three, three months into the youth ministry, and I was just overwhelmed at that point. And I'm like, and, and I was just praying. I'm like, God, I, I don't trust myself to do this job. <laughs> I'm like, like and, and God said, you don't trust me? I said, no, God. I said, I don't trust me to do this job. Um, and he said, so you don't trust me? I'm like, no, no God. I, I said, I don't. I don't think I can do this job. And he said, who brought you here? And I said, you did. <laughs> and he said, do you trust me? I'm like, yeah. So like go. at that point, 
you know, I, I realized, you know, if God has called me to do this, the Bible says those who wait on the Lord. Like, yeah. And it's not just those who wait for the Lord and I'm just going to sit back and wait for something to happen. Yeah. No, I'm those who wait on the Lord, kind of like a, wait, a waiter yeah. or a waitress. You know, I'm serving God. And if I'm doing what God has called me to do, those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their, he will renew their strength. That's right. And that's where, and God just gave me the strength to, yeah. you know, and the wisdom to do. I, I don't even remember to this day what, what was making me, it was probably such a small thing because that was only like three months into it. Um, but yeah. like, but, I, but at that point, God gave me the strength to get through, you know, and, and that, that's, that's the reality is, is if you know, and that's probably one of the things that helped strengthen David was he knew that he was doing what was right in the sight of God. Yeah. And, and, and having that confidence, knowing that I am within, I am where God called me to be and I'm yeah. doing what God called me to do. That'll give you a supernatural strength yeah. that, that, you know, cause like if I, if I'm here, you know, and, and I don't know for sure, you know, I'm just like, maybe this is where God wants me to be. Maybe it's not. I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Like, I can't have that assurance that, you know. That's right. You know, where that, but the reality is those who wait on the Lord, the, you know, whose hearts are towards him, those who are strengthening themsel- yeah. themselves in the Lord. God will God'll, God'll renew their strength. He'll give them what they need. That's right. Um, to face whatever they're about to face. Barrett yeah. said something here. Uh, he, she said, taking thoughts captive, mm-hmm. choosing to praise, abiding yeah. in faith, has been the common th- thread through every broadcast this week. The Lord does, doesn't repeat things flippantly. Mm. Clearly, this is something he wants his people to grab a hold of, and that's exactly true. She is exactly right. Mm. It is such an important topic. As a matter of fact, the last uh, two weeks at our Sunday service, not the message I had planned, but absolutely the message that God wanted to preach. And I praise God that I listened because... Uh, it was so evident that it was the right message as the week played out. Mm-hmm. It was exactly what needed to be. Yeah. And uh, we need to make sure that we take our thoughts captive. Yeah. And because otherwise, you have to, well, if you understand that the only weapon that the dev- devil has is deception and getting us to use our own power against ourselves and against yeah. others, then you realize that the thought realm is the only place where he can wield that weapon. Mm-hmm. The thought realm is the only place where you can wield uh, that, that weapon. Charlotte says, taking thoughts captive, I have learned, is critical to living in peace and God's rest. Yeah. Drawing up strength from our spirit man and encouraging ourselves in the Lord is a weapon in spiritual warfare. You are exactly right. So, All right, let's, uh, let's go on to the next, verse 7. Uh, then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's uh, son, uh, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered them, Pursue them, for you will surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now look at this. He has a word from the Lord that says, You will overtake them, and you will recover all. And God meant all. Mm-hmm. God meant all. Yeah. But I want, I want you to see something about the good leadership of David. He was constantly seeking the Lord on what he should do. Mm -hmm. A good leader, put this in the comments, a good leader constantly seeks the leading of God. A good leader constantly seeks the leading of God. Um, I've found that many times I've gotten into 
uh, ministers' meetings, and there hasn't even been prayer about what should be done. You know, it's not even prayed out. Nobody spent any time praying, seeking the Lord. A good leader constantly right. seeks the leading of God. Uh, it, that we go to Him first. You know, mm -hmm. if you if you have a bad doctor's report, you don't go you don't go to all the worldly ways first. You go to mm -hmm. you go to God first. He's yeah. first. He's your source. Yeah. He's the supply. You mm -hmm. go to Him first. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Anything on that? Oh, there's a billion things yeah. I can say on that, but... Let's read. Okay. <laughs> uh, so David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and he came to the brook Besor, whatever. Uh, the brook Besor. That sounds, like, fancy. He, he went there. The brook uh, Besor. Uh, when, the, when those... Where those who... Oh, good night. The book the, that, that messed me up. I don't know why. Um, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued. He had 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Basor. Uh, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. So Now I want you to see this. So look at, look at the men that David left behind. All right, so they left behind and they watched the bags. They watched all the stuff. So basically, they were in a pursuit. Um, I'm thinking Lord of the Rings chasing after <laughs> Frodo in the mm -hmm. ring, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they were in a pursuit, mm -hmm. and they were after him, after this troop. Well, obviously, some of the men were in better shape uh, than others. Mm -hmm. And so they get to this book, or this book, this brook, the book Basor, brook Basor. Mm -hmm. And uh, they get to this brook and they realize, now I want you to watch this. This is excellent leadership here. If two things, <coughs> several things going on here. Number one, he recognizes the reality of what's, what's going on. You've got men who are tired, yeah. right? If they continue with them, they're going to slow down the chase. There, you have men that are tired. If they get up to the battle, I, I found in playing sports, I know you played soccer, I played soccer, and I've, you know, I've coached soccer. I watch even my kids now. When I, my kids get tired, I make them stop doing physical activity. Why? Because at that moment, you'll stop where you're jumping up over a ledge. You'll stop lifting your foot so high, and you're more likely to catch it and trip and cause accidents. And so one of the things, that's what you do. When you're tired, you take shortcuts. Well, if you're tired in battle, you die. And, and in this, in the, this is the wisdom of God saying this. In this, he's saying, you will recover all. But I guarantee you, I, I feel very confident that had he taken all 600 men and pushed them, they would have lost some. Mm. They would have lost some men. They would have lost some valuables. He had the right team at the right place at the right time. Mm. But they're still a team. Mm. Just because, you know, it, if I was in, let's say that, uh, look at Jesus. This is good, good leadership. All right, the girl is dead. Everybody there is mocking Jesus because he said she's sleeping. Mm -hmm. What does Jesus do? Everybody who's not on the same uh, maturity, who's not the strongest in their faith, get out of the house. 
And then he takes Peter, James, and John. And he says, hey, you guys come with me in the room. In other words, he left other people, even other disciples out. What is he doing? He's taking the people that can win the victory, and he's not bringing in people that can get hurt in that. If I have to go and uh, you know, cast a devil out of somebody... I'm not, taking, I'm not taking somebody who doesn't know anything spiritually. I need them to know some things uh, spiritually so that they won't make a mistake. You know, I had, had a situation one time where somebody was with me, and at that time I didn't even know exactly what he was doing, but the Lord showed me some wisdom. But this guy was trying to handle this demon in a physical way. You don't handle it in a physical way. You handle it in a spiritual way. So now, And that was a training ground for him. It was okay for him to be there. But uh, you start to see that you don't just take everybody into the battle. I don't care what they think. But that doesn't mean that they're not part of the team. You know, when that little girl raised up from the dead, that was a victory for Jesus. That was a victory for Peter, James, and John. That was a victory for the girl's parents. That was a victory for their family. That was a victory for the disciples. That was a victory for the kingdom of God. I'm still being blessed by that victory today. And so I wasn't there. But I still am blessed by it. And you're going to see, you're going to see this come back as we, as we talk more about it. So this is really good leadership that understands. Uh, in our leadership training, we have a, uh, a statement that says, in order, in order to grow, growth without change is impossible. But then the other thing that you see is this. You see that in order to uh, grow, you must have change. In order to change, you must face reality. And you either face reality by crisis or revelation. There's two ways. So either you face reality because a problem has hit, a crisis has hit, and it's like, oh, we got a problem that needs to get fixed. Or you have revelation where you've spent time with the Lord or you've studied to show yourself approved, and you see that if we keep going down this path, I have revelation this is going to cause a problem. But you have to face the reality. We're not at the level we need to be. You know, with my kids playing, if they get tired, they start to get tired, you know, in soccer. If kids would, as soon as they get tired out on the field, they will start uh, messing up their passes. Their shots won't be on. They won't be crisp. And immediately, you probably take 30 to 50% of the edge of that team off because they're tired. That's why when I would coach... The first thing I would do is I would run them, run them, run them. I wasn't trying to be hard. I was trying to prepare them to be not tired. Yeah. Because as soon as they're tired, you lose, you lose that skill. Mm-hmm. And so if my kids are tired, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, no, it'll be fine. No, I'm facing reality that if I don't stop them from what they're doing, they're liable to make a mistake very quickly because they're tired. And then, then I don't want to end up in the emergency room, and that's the wisdom of God. That's what David was doing here. A good leader, write this in the comments, please. A good leader faces reality. A good leader faces reality. Now, let me define that, and let me give a little bit of a descriptive term on that. Reality is not necessarily what you see. Reality is what God shows you. It's spiritual vision, eyes of faith. But in eyes of faith, you hear from the Lord. Notice that, like for example, in that story you mentioned earlier in John chapter 5, where the man's sitting by the pool, right? Mm -hmm. 
And that place by the pool is beautiful. When I, I visited that, it is a beautiful place. Those, anyway, so um, when he's sitting by the pool and the angel's stirring the water, one of the things that happens is there's a lot of people at those pools. He could have gone and he could have you know, ministered to every single one of them, but he didn't. He heard from the Lord and he, he stepped over people to get to the one guy that God told him to go to. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think that, well, he should just minister. No, he should hear from God. Mm -hmm. Reality is what God speaks. That's, that's, that's yeah. the reality that we need. What were you grinning at? No, I was just laughing because so one of the, someone wrote, a good leader faces reality, and my brain read feces. <laughs> a good, good leader <laughs> feces, feces reality. Right. Sorry, that's, I just, my brain read that. I'm like, I had to do a double check, and then I saw what it said. I am one of us now. It, it's funny. I was, talking, I was talking to Paul and Jade last night, and um, we were joking because I, I've never, when y'all got here, I, all these stories about poop came out in, in, it's in been the conversation. I know, and I'm like, and what's interesting is I've never heard so many stories about like it just happened mm -hmm. when y'all got here. Did yeah. you bring that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, when I was in college, I'm not going to tell another story. <laughs> anyway, well, that was, it was really <laughs> funny. So when you, when you saw that, it made yeah. me laugh. But there was all these like, you know, poop stories that came it's, out that were funny. Insane. But anyway, y'all, y'all brought, you brought it out of them. You, mm -hmm. you, you brought all those stories, but I've never heard that many stories. And, <laughs> and then you were like, nonstop. are y'all going to tell me another story about poop? <laughs> and I'm like, and I was sitting there going, why are they telling all these stories? But it was really it was, a funny uh, situation. And nonstop. Anyway. <laughs> huh? Yeah, they were. They just got right down to the business. <laughs> <laughs> to the business. <laughs> I got Serena on that one. <laughs> <laughs> to the business. Awesome. All right, All right. let's keep reading. Uh, verse 11, Then they found an Egyptian in the field. They brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread or drunk no water for three days and three nights. Mm. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and, f and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, a servant of an, of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Uh, we made an invasion of the, south, of the southern area of them in the territory which belongs to Judah, and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. So see, here is supernatural supply, yeah. supernatural wisdom and yeah. direction uh, that God is giving David in this man. Yeah. He's bringing him straight to this man out of all the territory uh, that he could have, you know, not found the man. Mm. He comes right to this guy mm. and he says, yeah, I can take you to him. And, and this guy gets freed mm. from a master that says, oh, you're sick. We're leaving you to die. <laughs> you yeah. know, so here's this horrible master and he gets free. And then also he gets to uh, help the people of God go and recover everything to be protected. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, can, can I just add one? Yeah. yeah. What interests me, though, is the fact that they weren't so just single-minded and we need to go recover everything that they didn't overlook this. That's guy, really so. good. You yeah. know, it's just like one man in a field, but, that, but yet they were willing to serve him and to feed him and That's to, great to minister to him, yeah. not just to overlook him. We, we, we're too busy. You That's know, a great they didn't point. overlook it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and because of that, they were he was like the exact man that they needed to yeah. to take them. To give them the information and knowledge they needed. Yeah. That's good. Um, and, and so a good leader, uh, you know, a good leader pays attention to everyone. You yeah. know, he'll serve, he's not just serving, mm-hmm. you know, one person or one goal or one mission. Yeah. He pays attention to everyone. That's good. And uh, David said to him, oh, I already read that. Um, what verse are we on? Uh, 16. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the, that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which, they had, which had t- been taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and the herds and had driven before... Uh, they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. So he recovered all. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. had been recovered. Yeah. Nothing had been lost. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Why? Yeah. Because David took his thoughts captive and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And when a situation that looked like, you know, didn't go right when they told him, no, you can't go with us. Mm-hmm. Because of that, he was on time to recover all. So he put faith in God that God would give him the victory, and God came through and he recovered all, yeah. which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And now I want you to look at it. Now look at the wives. This is the point coming back around. Nothing's lost. Mm-hmm. Nothing's broken. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, they actually have a lot more than what they had before. Yeah. So now I've been in situations before, and this seems like an extreme one, but I've been in situations like this, not, not exactly like this, but situations that aren't this extreme, where God said, you were putting fear in something that was already handled. Hmm. And he said, so on the timeline of life, You heard about a situation, and you put fear there, and then you come up, you're believing me, I come through, and at this point in the timeline, all of a sudden, you're sitting there, and everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And so he says, from that point of fear, all the way up to it's handled, completely wasted, Mm -hmm. there was no reason for the fear, Mm -hmm. you didn't have to have the feelings, you didn't have to have any of it, completely wasted and not giving me glory at all, Mm -hmm. not trusting me, not putting faith in me, exactly the opposite of what I told you. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned now is that when I feel the fear that wants to come on, I immediately put it down because I know that he's leading me to triumph and Mm -hmm. I'll waste none of that. But think about the hardship 
that would be in the minds and the hearts of everybody. Yeah. And so one of the things for that whole time, from the time it's taken, instead of, so it's an amazing thing that happens when you put hope on, when you put joy, confidence, and expectation. First of all, it's confusing to people around you and uh, you know, your captors and people and sometimes even family members. It's like, it's the weirdest thing when you put on hope and you're like, no, it's gonna be fine. And they're like, why is it gonna be fine? We're captured when David's nowhere in sight. Well, how can you say it's gonna be fine? And then all of a sudden you come, you come to that place. Don't waste your emotion on fear, something God told you to cast aside and perfect love cast out. Put all of your effort on hope. Hope, and if you compare and contrast, Fear, the time in fear versus the time in hope. Mm -hmm. The fear will cause you to live a short life, but hope will cause you to live a long life. Yeah. It's so much easier in hope than it is fear. And if it was actually, let's say it was going to end in a wrong thing, if it was going to end in a wrong thing, what, the fear is going to help you? That's not going to help you. That's not supernatural strength of God. Yeah. But what will help you is hope in the things of God, faith yeah. in Him, and that's loving on God. That will actually, so a lot of times during that period of time, we got fear that's just trying to ransack our mind, yeah. and it's completely wasted, and more than that, it will take you backward. It can actually draw the very thing there. So it, in a situation like that, even an extreme situation like that, mm -hmm. The best thing you can do is put on faith, hope, and love. Yeah. And just put that in the comments. Mm -hmm. No matter what the situation is, the best thing I can always do is put on faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. Everything was recovered. Mm -hmm. Everything. Yeah. Everything. It, all of it was recovered. Not a child was lost, not a wife, not a bracelet, not an earring. All was recovered and more. I mean, this was actually a huge uh, spoil that came in uh, to David in that time. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I quote this all the time because this is like one of the things that I've heard from Lester Summerall that's really just given me strength for, for, a, for a, lo a lot of things that, that we've gone through. Is He says, uh, if you knew what God had on the other side of your problem, you wouldn't worry about it one bit. That's right. You know, That's it, right. It, it, it's just rec it's having that perspective of what I see right now is just going to be a testimony later. You know, like wh yes. what's going on in my life right now, there's going to like very soon, I'm just going to see the glory of God and, and I'm just going to walk, you know, yes. then I'm going to be able to walk, walk further with a testimony Yes. because that's just how God works. You, you said, you quoted it yesterday. Uh, what Second Corinthians four ten or Second uh, Corinthians two fourteen. Two fourteen. Um, I had the right number. Like, <laughs> I had the right digits, just the wrong order. Um, uh, you know, thanks be God who always gives us, leads us to victory in Christ. You yeah. Know? Having that mentality that of the word always. You know that whatever, like you started the broadcast saying. You know, every situation. Yes. Or what, what was it? Every situation um, is an I forget, uh, but leads to victory. Every, oh, anything God asks ask of you is always an opportunity, opportunity for to increase. increase. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, having that, that's why we can consider it pure joy yes. when we face trials of many kinds. Because, like, in the, in the midst of the trial, people, if you have joy, like, yeah. people would think, what's wrong with you? You know, yeah. you're going through this. But actually, we can have, consider pure joy because all we know is that 
I'm going up at, yes. on the other side of this. Like, yes. I'm going up. And, and having that faith will, will guarantee the increase. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, um, uh, it says, you know, a merry heart does good like medicine. Yes. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. Yes. So, like, that fear, that, 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 that just, you know, uh, woe is me mentality is just going to, it's just going to dry you up and it's not, it's not going right. to bring life to it. Um, right. So it's important for us to, to take on that joy, to take on, you know, that ho the faith, hope and love and yes. to just walk out in that and recognize just like Le Lester Summerall said, uh, if I like knowing what God has on the other side of it, I'm not going to, I'm going to not going to waste my time to worry about it. Yeah. I heard someone saying, this is a joke, but like I mentioned it to you like last week, you know, uh, they, they said, I know worrying works because none of the things I worried about actually took place. You know, <laughs> like, um, w like w that's kind of what Jesus said when he said, you know, don't worry about this, yeah. the, these things. Well, who of you, you know, worrying are going to add a single, you know, yeah. hour to your life? You're not, that's not going to help you. Like there, there have been times when I've been sitting in service and I know someone, there, there's someone in that service who, who's just not receiving it. And I'm focusing all my energy at that point just on, yeah. on man, they need to receive that. They need to, they need to hear this, you know, yes. just, just like, and God, God, and like God started recently just telling me, I see them, yes. you know, don't, you think you fixing your, your mental yeah. focus on this person in this row is actually going to yes. help you yeah. receive anything from me? Like, no, yeah. you know, he said, I have something for you in the service. Don't waste your time That's focusing right. on this. And so, you know, David strengthening himself in the Lord and all, all these things we've been talking about, you know, we shouldn't fixate all of our mental focus on trying to come up with a solution, but we should strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Yes. Trust him, put on faith, hope, and love, knowing that, from he's, him. that he's leading us to victory yeah. every time. Yeah, every time. And I'll, I'll give you this uh, to help you. This is something the Lord showed me a while back. And, and when I saw the kind of mental picture of this, it really changed how I looked at it, it strengthened my, I was already believing like this, but it strengthened that belief. Yeah. So let's imagine that there's a veil uh, between the spiritual world and the physical world, and there's a veil there. All right, so in the physical world, like in this situation, in this situation with the town attack and the, the families you know, taken, in the physical world, there's definitely a problem. And that yeah. problem uh, continues on a timeline. The problem continues until David comes and uh, he slaughters all of these uh, raiders. Mm -hmm. And so that problem continues. So it's problem, problem. If you go down problem, 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 David comes and now it's not a problem at all. It's completely solved and the best solving that you can have. All right, but if you could have the veil, if you could remove that veil yeah. and you could see what was actually happening in the spirit. Mm -hmm. So in the spirit over here, now in the physical, it looks like a problem. But in the spirit, God's being God. <laughs> God is being his good character, his loving character. He's loving on David and all those families with an everlasting love. He's put in the Egyptian servant in, in the middle of the field for them to find. He's giving him the word of provision, go and you'll recover all. He's telling the Philistines, send David back so that he wouldn't be too late. He's given, he's separating the ones that are strong and, and not strong so that the strong will... Nobody will be lost. Not even one, one soul will be lost. Not one uh, person in David will be lost. He's sending them into the battle. He's given them strength for the, 
for the battle. So if we could pull back the veil and see God, you would see God's, God, while the problem is happening here, God has got all this stuff going on, all of it working for the victory. And so the problem is we've only looked at, the, at what we can see. Instead of setting our eyes on things above, on what God's up to. And see, how can we know what God is up to? Do we know all the details? No. But we know His character. It goes back to the love. When you start yeah. to understand His love, then all of a sudden, all of the worry goes away. All of the fear goes away. And I can be looking at nothing but problem. But in the Spirit, with eyes of faith, I'm looking at nothing but solutions. I'm looking at nothing but victory. This is what God has for every person who will put on faith. God's got nothing but victory. Nothing but victory. And if you could pull back the veil and see into the Spirit, you would see there's nothing there but God being an everlasting covenant-loving Father. And you would see Him working all these things out. That's who He is. The the image that I just got was uh, Elijah one of the two, um, when his, this an entire army came against him. Yeah. You know, they were from yeah. the, uh, his servant, all he could see was in the natural. Yes. He's yes. freaking out, and he said, actually, there's far more for us than those who are for them. That's right. And he said, God, open his eyes. Literally, take that veil away. Yes. He looked, char- armies of chariots of fire surrounding them. Yes. You know? Like, that's the perfect example. That veil being, like, armies. There are far more for us than there are. Well, and that's, uh, you know, there's so much more going on than what we see. And that's where we find out, Mm -hmm. do we actually trust what he's Mm -hmm. written about in his character and nature? Or we just say that we do. Mm -hmm. Is it just lip service or Mm -hmm. is it actually in our heart that we trust him in this way? Mm -hmm. And so just put this in the comments. Say, God is always being a loving father. No matter what we see, God's character doesn't change. God is always being a loving father. Amen. God is always being a loving father. Now let's continue to read and we'll wrap up this chapter today. Uh, now David came to the 200 men who, were, who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. So they, so they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. Now you notice here that the, the Holy Ghost defines <laughs> them yeah. as wicked and worthless. Yeah. Why? Look at what they're doing. They are, they are being a covetous hearted person right here. They're being covetous hearted. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're saying, well, they didn't go fight. They don't get any of the spoils. They're not seeing each other as a team. They're not happy that other people are blessed. They just want to keep the blessings for themselves. They're, they're being selfish. They're, they're thinking about themselves in that way. They're not seeing them as a team. Let me tell you, in a church, there's a lot of, I would say, spiritual weight that I will pull, uh, um, not just weight, but a uh, responsibility and burden that I will pull as a pastor. 
Why? Because I want the brand new person who's walking in. I want to pull, I want to walk in an anointing. I want to spend time praying and fasting. I want to spend time in the word and studying myself to uh, be approved. I want to take, you know, the last, you know, 25, 30 years and all of the stuff that I've learned about God, I want to give it to that person. I'm not trying to hold it back from that person. I want, that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it so that the brand new person who hasn't added a thing to the ministry is blessed. Yeah. This is the heart of Christ. This is it. And he's saying the ones that are just looking out for themselves, the ones who are being selfish in this way, said the Bible says wicked and worthless. Yeah. Wicked and worthless. And they went and fought, but their heart is totally off in this. All right, let's, let's go. So but, from that day... Or wherever you're at. Uh, but David said to them, but David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, uh, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. Okay, right here. A very good point for leaders. Yeah. Very good point. Who gave you what you have? <laughs> the Lord. David said, the Lord gave us this. See, the problem was those men, the wicked and worthless men, thought that their efforts did it. They didn't realize that it was God in the strength. It was God in the plan. It was God with the uh, Egyptian that led them to him. It was God the whole time. They, they think they did it, yeah. and that's the problem. Who, now watch this. Here's, remember we were a few days ago going to those four points. Who gets the glory in the wicked and worthless man's heart? They do. That's why they think they ought to get it. But who gets the glory in David's heart? God gets the glory. Yeah. And that's, that's how you can see what's going on and, mm -hmm. what, and what's right. That will help. And those two questions, who gets the glory and who's the source, has everything to do with figuring out what, what's actually going on and what do we need to do. Yeah. So a good leader understands that anything good that they do comes from above, from the Father of lights. Mm -hmm. It wasn't you. Because without him, you don't even have the ability to breathe. It wasn't us. It's God every time. Just say this, uh, put this in the comments. It's always God when it's good. It's always God when it's good. It's always God when it's good. Amen. For who will, who, for, yeah. for who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Okay. So what he's showing here is that everybody plays a role. Mm -hmm. Every joint supplies. Yeah. You know, I've had times in, in my relationship with Nicole as my wife where I've been stronger spiritually. She's had times where she's been stronger spiritually. And I praise God that God never let us, you know, he helped us both be at a place where we were never both low spiritually. One of us was there and pulling the spiritual weight. Sometimes I needed it. Sometimes she needed it. And what David's saying is no matter what, we're a team. God has joined us together and we will utilize the pieces as God determines each day. And as we do that, we realize it's God that's showing us how to win and go forward in unity as one instead of being divided. Every joint supplying. That's good. I love, and, and we're all a part of that supply. We're all a part of that increase. Yeah. 
So one question, oh, sorry about that. One, one question that's good is, this is a great question to figure out your heart. Are you celebrating and are you worshiping God when a Christian brother or sister is blessed? Yeah. Yeah. So for example, let's say that um, I, we had this situation one time where we were specifically believing God for chairs in the ministry. And we watched another ministry who seemed to not be doing things right, got blessed with chairs. And I was like, Lord, we need to have a talk. <laughs> like, I'm not happy about this. I'm, my heart's not right. And I knew my heart wasn't right. But he, he said, look, I'm, he said, I'm like a spiritual lawyer. I'm looking for any legal loophole to get my mercy to people. I'm looking for any way to get my mercy to people. And I went, oh, my goodness, I thought I knew you. But here's the question. Are you, what if you're believing God for a car? And then the person next to you who might not have prayed and fasted as long as you did gets a car. Yeah. Will you be able to praise for them? Yeah. See, this, this helps us to identify that heart. And it's good to watch because if you can't celebrate somebody else's gain that's in the same team and body that, that you are, then our heart needs to be changed. A good leader will celebrate the increase of the people that he's leading. A good leader will celebrate the increase of other leaders around them. Mm -hmm. A good leader will always celebrate the increase of God, no matter who it is. Mm -hmm. I've watched people that, you know, a big, big something will happen to a ministry, and they're not even excited about it. Mm -hmm. I heard a story that Keith Moore uh, told uh, one time, and I forget if it was him directly or if it was somebody close to him, but he said, uh, a guy just got blessed with, you know, like a big, maybe it was a car, maybe it was several thousand dollars or something like that. And uh, a guy standing next to him just started praising God. He went running around the sanctuary. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And the guy's like, man, why are you so excited about, about his increase? He said, you got to understand. He said, we're in the same line. He was just a couple of steps in front of me. That's all. But I'm in the same line. And if God will bless him, he's going to bless me too. Yeah. Yeah. See, if we can't celebrate yeah. other people's increase, yeah. then we're going to be of the wrong heart. And it will actually stop our increase from coming. That's good. All right. Uh, now, when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah to his friends saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, to those who were in Ramoth, to the, of the south, those who were in Jatter, those who were in Arur. Okay, the, now oh yeah, it, goes, it goes from <laughs> verse 27. I don't know how many people are listed here, but a bunch of different groups. Now mm -hmm. go to the end of verse 31, and it says, and to those who are in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to go. Now, this is huge. So how many, count for me real quick, how many different groups there. So while he's counting, I want to give you this. David just came into a big spoil. What do most people do when they come into a big increase? Most people will say, oh, look what the Lord gave me. <laughs> Nicole and I saw this years ago, and as soon as we saw this, it changed uh, what we did. How many people was it? Uh, at least 14, and then it says, and to all the places. So okay, so before it said, and to all the places, it listed 14 different places. Potentially. 
Now watch this. These are all the places that supported David. These are all the people that helped him grow to this place. Mm. These are all the people that gave him some kind of support. They, They gave him a word. They gave him, they taught him how to do this. They taught him how to do this. This is one of the most important pieces of this chapter right here. Right when David gets a big spool, instead of keeping it for himself, a good leader Mm -hmm. remembers the people that have helped him. A good leader remembers the people that are feeding into their lives. And so when he got this spoil... He said, I'm going to send something to every person that has helped me while I've been in this wilderness. Every person that was there to add to my life. Every person that gave us a place to sit and stay safely. And so Nicole and I, as soon as I read this, I went, oh my goodness, what kind of heart does this? What kind of heart remembers the people all along the way? And so what we've done now is... We have people that God's connected us to. But I've literally, Nicole and I have literally taken this back. And we've gone, we've gone back to people and said, I saw where David supported people that gave into their life and helped them become who he was. And we want to give to you as well. And uh, not too long ago, we had a, had a larger increase that came into our lives a year or so ago. And uh, immediately... We broke up pieces of it, and we sent it to all the men that we were connected with personally. And we said, hey, we want to send this to you. Here's, you know, we saw where David did it. Our heart is, you have added to our lives, and we want to send this to you. And we want to honor you, and we want to give this. This is the heart of somebody who's not selfish. This is the heart of somebody who is giving. And I love this about David. And Nicole and I, since we practiced this, I don't know, it just changed us. It changed our heart. It changed how we look. See, I'm, and, and, Probably not all of these men were like in perfect harmony with David either. Just because somebody helped them doesn't mean that they were nice the whole time. But what you see is, you know, I've had leaders in my past who haven't done it right. You know, but I've taken it and I've said, look, you added to me. I don't care what you're doing now. I, I might not tell them this. I don't care what you're doing now. I don't care you know, what spiritual level you're on. I don't, you added to my life, and I needed what yeah. you deposited in, in me. And if it was just that one time, I needed that. And you remember those people. And how did David remember? I mean, he didn't send them a thank you letter. He didn't send them a thank you letter. He, mm-hmm. sent, he sent them stuff. He sent them the spoil of what God had given him. God gave me this spoil. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, This is how you honor. This is what you do is you remember the people that feed into you. In the New Testament, it says you don't muzzle the ox that's treading out the corn. If somebody is working and they've given to your life, and I'll tell you this. This is what I've found, not only as being somebody who had leaders above them, but as a leader as well. I've watched this from both directions. Mm -hmm. Generally, a leader in your life is doing a lot more than what you ever have a clue. And generally, it's a lot harder for them. Generally, we are a lot harder on our leaders than what we ever have a clue. We don't realize what a challenge we are and what a burden we are. And as you become more and more of a leader, you'll find that to be true. And you start to realize there's a lot more that they do and they give. And, And then a lot of times 
you know, as pastors go, a lot of times, then they're talked about, and when people get upset over one doctrine, leave the church and talk to them and call them a cult or whatever, you know, which has happened to us. And uh, at times, you start to see, man, you give all this time, you give all this stuff, and you give all this effort, and you carry this burden for them, for their lives to be covered and protected and anointed, and you walk in that, and then they walk away and call you names. Well, they did it to Jesus. They'll do it to leaders. Yeah. But for the people that are walking in the right heart, it's, it's good for us to say, you know what, I need to honor that. I need to honor that. And so what I would challenge you today is this. You're, you're welcome to sow into what's right and sow into boomerang and, and, us, and us spreading the gospel. But here's what I would challenge you. Beyond, beyond just today, beyond just today, who are the people who have invested in you? Who are the people in your past that have invested in you? And when God sends something your way or sends something big your way, don't forget them then. Don't just, don't just be like the wicked and worthless men that said, we did it. No, God gave that to you. Remember the men, who have, who have, the men and women who have cried tears in prayer over you, who have lifted you up, who have, who have kept you lifted up in prayer for years and years and years. Remember those people. Remember those people and honor them. Honor them. Honor them not just with a thank you card. Honor them the way that they should be honored. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, you, we just had Mother's Day not long ago, and we got Father's Day this weekend. The Lord says, honor your father and your mother. Mm-hmm. And you may not know it, but as you become, as you become a father and, or a mother, uh, you start to realize there's a lot more to that, and we, we carried a lot bigger, our parents carried a lot bigger burden than what we ever realized. Honor them, and don't just do it with a card. Mm-hmm. Like, spend some money on them. Spend some, you know, do something really nice, you know, spend some money on them, put, you know, do something that they would never buy for themselves, buy something they'd never buy, ask the Lord, and all you got to do is say, Lord, I want to honor the people that have been in my life, how do I do it, God will show you what to do, he'll show you exactly what to do. I remember one time I went to a leader that I'd had, and this leader had done something not exactly right to Nicole and I, and they knew that they had done that, and they even asked, they had come back and apologized. And, um, but in that, in a moment, I, I, I recognized, I was thinking about this story directly, this was years ago. I said, you know what? I was, I was like, we just had, I think we had been given like, $300, and to us then, that the $300 was a huge, huge, I felt like I just won David's spoils. I mean, it was huge, $300. Now, and today, it doesn't seem as big as it did then. Then it meant a whole, whole lot. $300 is a lot, but then it was astronomical. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lord said, I want you to go, and I want you to honor that that pastor, he sowed into your life. And I took, I took $100 of that $300, which seemed like a ton, and I gave it, gave it to him. And, and he about broke down crying right there. Like I, he, it, and it changed our relationship. It changed our whole relationship. Where there was a little bit of friction before, it immediately drew us together in a way that was beautiful. And uh, it was truly coming out of my heart. I wasn't even trying to change the relationship. I just wanted to honor where he had given me 
added to my life at one time. Forget about the stuff that he, he might have did wrong. Let's, let's focus on the stuff he did right. He added to me, you see. And when I honored, this has changed us. And so, I'm, you know, I don't even really want to talk about sowing into us today because it ended on, on that. You're welcome to if somebody absolutely wants to and you have to, you know how to do it. I'm not even going to tell you. But uh, pray about this. What would the Lord have you do to honor the people in your past yeah. that have added to you? Uh, you? And people that are adding to you now. You know, we've got people watching from all over the, all over the country. What, what people, where, the church where you're at, you know, the church where you're at. What are people doing? I heard a pastor recently, he received something from somebody. He was a guest minister at that church. Watch what this pastor did. Somebody in the congregation came up to that. Uh, it was a pastor ministering in another church. He was at another pastor's church. The guest minister received something very large from one of the congregation members that God had put on his heart. Here's what the guest minister said. This stuck with me. Man, the guest minister said, let me ask you a question. He went to the pastor and he said this, have you ever honored, has this person ever honored you on this level? Because what he was going to do is say, pastor, I'm a guest in your church. And if, if, he, if, if this congregation member has never honored you on this level, I'm going to give this to you because I'm here because of you. It was a big, I think it was like a car. Like, and it, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a great heart to have. That's saying, look, I'm, I'm willing to hand this over because I'm here because of you. But what really caught me was the guest minister's heart that recognized that congregation member doesn't need to honor me just because I came in one time. Is he honoring the person that God planted him under in that way? That. I mean, that changed me. I was like, oh my goodness, what a great question. I had not thought of that question before, but when I heard it, I went, I, I'll be adopting that as I preach at different places, you know, because I want to watch. I don't want somebody that's in the congregation. It, it's, it's like this question in our giving. It's like this question. I know we're going long today, but this is a, such a meaty chapter, and thank you for everything that you've added, buddy. One of the things um, that has happened is this, is I think Jonathan asked this question a lot, is, is when's the last time you sowed into the church as much as you spent on your vacation or on, your, or on a TV? You know, we'll go spend $500 on TV, but to sow $500 into the church, no way will we do that. That's not even in the realm of most people's thinking. Are we honoring God and the people of God on the level, on the level that we honor ourselves with our comforts? Mm -hmm. That's a slamming question. You know, sometimes those questions come out of me like that, and I'm like, oh, gracious, did I just say that? <laughs> Are we honoring God on the same level that we're honoring our comfort? That's like one of those you only want to talk about after you hear it because we realize, no, we're not. We haven't been. So why am I asking these questions? Amen. Why am I asking these questions? Because if we get into that heart of giving, we'll be blessed like David was blessed. Yeah. If we get into that heart of giving and that heart of sowing, 
will be blessed and will walk in a prosperity. And when we walk in a prosperity, we'll have an abundance for every good work that God wants to do. Many of us do not have the abundance for to do God's work because we've not picked up that heart of giving and sowing. So David exposes here a leadership trait that is absolutely huge. Do you realize he did not have the full Bible that we had (laughs) <laughs> he did not have the full Bible that we have to draw off this. And there, was, there wasn't a David that he was reading about. This is just him spending time with the Lord, spending time with the, in the fellowship of God, in the presence of God. And he said, man, I'm not going to be held back in anything. And he gives in this way. Ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do for my mom and dad? What can I do for past leaders? What can I do for the people that sow into my life the most? What can I do today? And then ask the Lord. Believe God for something. Have you ever put faith on something just to, just to give to somebody? In other words, all right, I want to give them, I want to give them you know, $2,000, and you, you hardly ever had $2,000. Mm-hmm. Have you ever put faith, Lord, I'm believing for $2,000 so I can give it to them? This is a great thing. When you get to that place, things mm-hmm. change in yeah. your finances, change in your lives. It's an awesome thing. So anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. I just pray for you. I hope you got something out of it today. If you did, please put a hands up in the comments. I got something out of it. Amen. People are putting their hands up here. (laughs) Amen. Did you get something out of it? I got something out of it. What did you get out of it? (laughs) (laughs) Now, well, one of the things that that you shared that really just stuck out, that whole ending section where he was honoring all the, oh yeah! All the, I like, like I, t- I told you that's my favorite story of David. Yeah, I never saw that. Like, and <laughs> all the times I've read it, I like you know once you get into and then this city and then this city, you kind of like just forget about what's actually taking place, yeah. and um, that just that just mind blown. It's emoji. it's a whole nother level yeah. of thing. And how many people in the kingdom of God actually operate like that? Yeah, not many. As a matter of fact, when we've done that, when Nicole and I saw that and we started doing that, most of the time when we would give to people on doing that, mm-hmm. they would be shocked. Yeah. They, they've not had it happen. Most leaders that we had gave to on that level were shocked at mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't because we were giving them the most that they have ever given. It was just the heart of it. They were shocked at the heart. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's cool to see how naturally that was in David, though. Like, Isn't it? That's yeah. what made him the great king. Mm-hmm. It's what made him a great leader is because that was natural. Yeah, he didn't even consult the Lord in that aspect. He just, it just, it just flowed. It was just a natural thing. Like, like I just know this. Oh, I have a big increase. Who can I bless? Yeah, it was natural. <laughs> who, who has, yeah. who has sown into our lives? I want to sow into theirs. Yeah, it's amazing. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, we love you, Father. Right now, let us have your heart, Lord. I just ask you right now, open our eyes. Let us have your heart. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your heart. Lord, let us have the mind of Christ in full operation. Let us not be held back in any way. Lord, let people see so clearly what is your will and what isn't your will. And let us walk in the fullness of of what you've called us to. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Lord, let us rise up 
to new levels of leadership. Let us rise up to new places of your leadership in Jesus' name. Lord, everybody who did give today and sowed today, Lord, let it be multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and running over into into their lives, Lord. Let the seed that they sowed be multiplied in Jesus' name. We praise you and we worship you and we give you the glory. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back tomorrow, Lunch Plus at noon. Share the broadcast if you haven't already. We love you and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.